So what up, you guys? I just wanted to say it's Friday and I'm happy to be introducing this guest this week, who is a former professor of mine at SVA, Ben Denzer. And he is also a artist, designer, publisher, and he's done a few book cover designs for many places. And yeah, and he also has his own catalog press of books himself. And he has a Instagram handle called at Ice Cream Books, and I highly recommend you guys check that out. But yeah, in this week's podcast episode, we talk about the struggle of a creative, and he is here to talk about his own struggles and here to provide advice for future creatives out there. So hope you enjoy this week's podcast. If you could just introduce yourself. Yeah, um, my name is Ben Denzer. I, you know, when I'm forced to describe myself, I call myself an artist, designer, and publisher because I feel like it, you know, doesn't pin me down into one thing. And I do things that are, you know, design. And I do things that, you know, aren't for clients, so they'd be considered art. And I, you know, I've been publishing some some books lately and making books. Um, I'm based in Boston right now. Um, yeah, and we we met because we met in a in a class at SVA. That was that was super fun. Yes, this is my professor, y'all. I'm so excited. I'm talking to him today. Oh, I'm so happy I got to speak with you because it's like when you're talking with you know friends and people that you you know find on LinkedIn, it's it's okay. But when you're talking to your like professor, it's like okay, is this my teacher <laughs> who taught me? So let me have a chat. I was excited, but um. So yeah, like I'm excited to have this too, because like now I get to involve the questions I had in class, like right now too. So um, when starting out as like a, you know, designer, were you always like, would you say you were like, even as a kid, were you, you know, an artist or a creative or like, did you kind of just jump into it? Yeah, um, I was always making things as a kid. I always, you know, just like find things around the house, put things together, collage things, um, and relatively, when I was relatively young, I started making these sculptures out of masking tape. I think it started, I, you know, had like sheets of paper and I was rolling the paper and taping them into tubes and using those tubes to make log cabin type things or something. And then I realized you could roll the masking tape sticky side out. So you have these sticky tubes and then you can stick these things together. And I, I don't know how I discovered that, but then for whatever reasons, my parents just encouraged me like, oh, like, keep making this stuff. And I, I grew up like we didn't have cable, I didn't have video games. Um, so I would just watch like Pixar movies, you know, in, in the basement on repeat, like making these things. I think maybe some of it's, I played with Legos a lot too as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel like one of the things Lego, Legos are kind of like this, you know, collage thing where it shows you that you can take these base units. And if you have a lot of base units that are small, you can combine them to make, you know, anything. And that's kind of what I did with these, you know, tape sculptures. So I was always making things um my first i guess experience with like graphic design was probably in high school i joined the like yearbook class that then you know made the the yearbook at the end of the year mm-hmm. so that was when i first kind of was exposed to indesign and how you know things actually come together to make a book and it was also kind of my first experience with like a book as a really cool object like i just thought it was so cool to be a part of making the you know, object that then at the end of the year, everyone, you know, cherishes and like, has everyone sign, you know, and then, you know, at, at the moment, you're like, I'm making this thing that's going to encapsulate, you know, the whole year, and then mm-hmm. people are going to keep it forever. You know, now it's like, people probably don't even know where their yearbooks are and stuff. But 
you know, it's just this idea of like containing that whole experience in a book I thought was really cool. Um, and then because I was always making things as a kid, I feel like the like word architecture was thrown out, you know, when I, when I was little. And so when I was applying to colleges, I thought, oh, like maybe I want to study architecture. So I kind of looked at colleges with that in mind, not necessarily knowing or thinking that I wanted to like build buildings, you know, when I, when I grew up, but liking that when you study architecture, you, you know, take these studio-based classes where instead of writing a paper and then, you know, you have that paper that you've written, you get to like make stuff and then you have the stuff that you've made and you get to learn all these different tools and things. So I studied architecture and visual arts in college and, you know, tried to make as much as I could and, you know, take advantage of having access to like the laser cutter and, and this and that. And along the way, I took a graphic design class and in the graphic design class, the professor brought in like a guest critic at the end of the semester to like look at the work that we made. And the guest critic was a book cover designer. And, you know, before that point, I never realized that there was this job, you know, where people paid you to read books, think about them, and then, you know, design the image that, you know, wraps around it and sends it into the world. So I thought, thought that sounded like a really, really cool job. And so this was, I think, maybe like sophomore year in college. And so then I started going to bookstores and looking at, you know, book covers and the back of book covers and seeing, you know, who designed this book cover that I liked. And then I would email those designers and be like, hey, you know, really love this book cover. You know, does your company by chance have, you know, like an internship opportunity or I'd love to, you know, speak with you and ask questions. That's smooth. That's smooth. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it was a lot of non-responses. Like uh, you were kind of scattershot out, you know, like 20 emails and maybe like one or two would respond to me but i got super lucky that you know one or two responded and they said oh no we don't have an internship you know but maybe reach out to this person and so i went on this like email chain of people being friendly until finally um there was an internship available and i was super lucky to get an internship um within um, random house at um knoff double day in the imprint and so i was an intern there for for a summer kind of seeing how book covers you know got made I got to work with a lot of awesome people and then eventually when I graduated the, like the people and connections I made during that internship led to um, a job and so when I graduated I you know got to work at, at Penguin designing book covers and so That's then perfect. I <laughs> yeah no it's super super fortunate okay and, and how was like your experience at Penguin like make like making book covers like I can't imagine like working all together to make a book cover and i and i like the way you make book covers too because it's more than just like making them digital it's kind of like you use your hands with it and i don't know that kind of like inspires me to like okay like analog stuff is still cool too and it makes it more authentic yeah no definitely and for me the analog stuff is also often just an easier way to like get going you know it's mm -hmm. harder for me to like start when i'm staring at a blank screen sometimes but to get back to your first question, like working at Penguin was was great. And I like working at a publisher designing book covers is a really interesting, cool bit of design, I think, because it's this thing where you get a lot of independent ownership over like the project. Like I would get, you know, the manuscript for the book and the title and, you know, a little bit uh, about it. And maybe if the author has, you know, some preferences that they're thinking about for imagery on the cover or something. 
but then it would be up to me to come up with things and to, you know, then pitch things to the art director and we would talk about it and then we'd share that with the editor and the publisher and then eventually go to the author. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like me coming up with stuff for this book cover. Um, but, you know, you're working within this company. So it's like, I'm sitting next to all these other people who are also working on book covers and you get this kind of, it's like the best of like independent work while having, you know, collaborative spirit and being able to like chat with people. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I guess what was, and you were talking about like making stuff, you know, by hand, because a lot of times you know, some book covers I work on have either some handmade element or I get to something through like a handmade process. And for me, that kind of comes from, I know, you know, this podcast is about struggles and stuff. And so one of the struggles for me when making a book cover is just like sitting at the screen and be like, what do I do? Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Mm. And so, you know, you're lucky in graphic design, I feel like, because you get some constraints and I really think constraints can be, you know, generative. So the constraints for a book cover are you have to put the title on it. You have to put the author on it. And so often at times I start like that, you know, I just put the title on the author and then I just throw in a bunch of different fonts to see what's happening. But sometimes then it's easier for me to, you know, just print out that thing and start cutting it up or, you know, try and take some feeling from the book and create that, you know, through a physical process. Like, oh, let's put this sheet of paper in water and photograph it and see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes I just feel like it's easier to do something than like do something on my computer. It's like, it's, it's so cool too, because it's like, you know, you have that physical version too, and it's like, you can't steal this. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> but, but no, that's really cool. And um, so you also talked about your struggles as far as like, you know, coming up with that idea. And like, what are your other struggles as a creative? Like, you know, that's like the top question on here. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so glad you asked me to do this podcast and like to do it this week because I've been struggling this whole past week <laughs> on this design project. And I think one of the things I really struggle with is, you know, like sometimes I have a hard time, like I'm describing kind of the ideal situation with a book cover where, you know, I, I'm struggling a little bit on coming up with something. So then I, you know, experiment and make something physical and just like experiment on my way to making a bunch of stuff. And then there's something interesting in that. Um, but a lot of times I find it hard to, you know, like give myself the time in the space to experiment. And sometimes that's because there's like, you know, a really tight deadline. I feel like, oh, this just has to get right the first time or something. But more often than not, I feel like it's because I feel like the pressure of the opportunity. So like, this is something I noticed a lot, like that has changed since I've been doing book covers for like, you know, four or five years now, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, like someone's letting me do a book cover. Like, I want this to be my best work. I want this to be like the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, this is going to be printed on a book cover. It's going to be out there. Like just putting a lot of internal pressure on, you know, I want this to be the coolest thing. Um, but I feel like that often kind of suffocates the process of like getting to the actual cool thing, mm -hmm. because then it's like you start, I think, you know, in, in class, in, in the class that I taught at SVA with you, I kind of we read the rules for students and teachers by sister Karita Kent. And I, you know, find myself going back to those and, you know, really believing in them, but then finding it hard to like live them out. And one of the ones I'm thinking about right now, the reason I'm bringing it up is I think it's, I think it's rule eight. It's something like, you know, try not to create and analyze at the same time. You know, this idea that when you're, 
you know, judging what you're doing while you're doing it, you often like don't like it because it's not, you know, good yet or, or, or working. And then that can like shut down the process of, of design. So right now, you know, I'm kind of working on something. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to be working on this thing. I want it to be really, you know, great. But because of that, I'm not giving myself like the space to just experiment and make a bunch of bad stuff. And then, you know, something interesting will come from that process rather than just, you know, sitting there at the blank page being like, this has to be the best. And, you know, you can't get it out being the best in the first shot. No, I get what you're saying. It's like, it's like so much pressure. Like, oh my gosh, this shit's going to be amazing. And then it's like, oh my gosh, like I am like stressing this myself out. It's like, you, but you put yourself on like a high standard though. That's good at the same time. But I get what you're saying as far as like, like that experimental, um, it shows too that like that experimental part is really important to you. And I think that's really cool because it's like, I feel like designers, like we get so stuck of to looking at the computer or doing the same process. So it's like, the fact that you're making time <laughs> to still have fun and experiment like i think my struggle too would be like you know kind of doubting myself while i'm making things that are fun like i'll be experimental right and i'm like this shit isn't gonna work but then surprising like the experimental stuff is the things that work separated to the things that i'm like okay a designer would make something like this but it's like okay you gotta think outside the box great thing about like doing experiments like this that i've found is if it doesn't work you know, if you make a bunch of experiments and, you know, you're not going to use all of them for the final book cover, the final thing that you're designing, but they may come in handy, you know, later. Like another thing I find really useful when I'm struggling to come up with new stuff is looking back on my old stuff that, you know, I threw out for whatever reason or, or that didn't make it. And sometimes there can be like a kernel of a really interesting, you know, like formal idea and something for one book cover that I can then, you know, use and play with and expand on for, for a new book cover, or a new design project. Oh, that's cool. And that's another thing I was going to ask too. Like, what do you do with your unused ideas? Because I feel like design, I asked this to another designer too, and it's like, uh, you know, I have a note section and other stuff. But I'm, I'm very curious about this question too with designers because I know when making a project, you have like a thousand ideas. You have so many ideas and then you go with this like one at the end of it. But it's like, what do you do with all those unwanted ideas? Yeah. When, when I started working at Penguin, um, it, it was interesting. I was kind of, you know, I would design something and then it would get killed is, you know, what you describe it in the publisher world or the design world. Um, and so I'd have these killed book covers that I really loved. Um, and, you know, I was talking to people at Penguin about like, what do you do with your, your killed book covers? And, and some people, you know, just don't share them at all. Um, but then I also realized that you can share them. And, you know, if you, if I print them out and wrap them around a book and photograph them, it'll look just like, you know, a real, real book cover and no one, you know, will know what's, what's real or, or what's not. And so initially I was thinking, you know, oh, I'll just, you know, the, the work that I think is the best is the work that I'll share, you know, even if it's not on a real book or not, you know, who cares? Like I designed it, I, I made it. Um, but lately I've been kind of not doing that because I, I've realized it's really useful to kind of save those things and, you know, recycle them in a way. And it's not like, you know, you're always recycling just like a book cover one for one because books are different and you want it to kind of speak to the, the book and this and that. Um, but like I was saying, there are often, like when, I, when I'm starting out on a book cover, I'll, you know, put the type in and play with different typefaces and see what that looks like. And then I'll also have this period of kind of gathering things. So sometimes that's gathering images from stock sites that feel like they relate or I might be able to use them or gathering, you know, ideas of things that, that feel like they'll, they'll relate. And, you know, also gathering some killed examples of things I've done in the past that might be able to be tweaked or, or played with. Mm -hmm. And then it's really a process of like, 
collaging all those things I've, I've gathered to, to try and make new, new things. Mm, that's true. That's true. And like you, I remember in class, like, I think you were the one that you're the one that told um, us this, that I'm going to like always remember. And it was always to like, just make things and like, what inspires you to just create, you know, without getting like, I'm like, how the hell? He's like, this man has showed us like a million things in his archive. Like, how do you not get burnt out? Like, not get stressed? Like, and I'm, I'm myself been trying to push myself to like make passion projects or like, I've been trying to do like a collage a day just to make, make myself do something. But yeah, like what's your inspiration with that? Or how do you push yourself to like make stuff? Yeah. Um, I think part of it is, you know, creating some sort of a, a routine you know, like you're saying it, like if you, if you make something every day, then, you know, you're, you're in this routine to make it every day, but then also by doing something where you then produce a lot, then you end up having this big pile of stuff that you've made. And, you know, there's some sense of like, even if you're just, you know, drawing a line on a sheet of paper every day, at the end of a year, you're going to have a lot of lines on, on sheets of paper. And there's some, you know, sense of accomplishment in that, you know, inherently just on like, doing something and seeing it grow or seeing the, the result of it. So I think there's a little bit of, of that. And then it's also, I think it's more finding ways to make things, you know, useful. Like a lot of the things I, I do, I might do a lot of them because I feel like it's useful at the end of the day to have done a lot of them. Like, um, like I do this ice cream books thing where I photograph ice cream on books and I kind of just kept going with it because you know, it's, it's cooler to me if there's a bunch of them and it's cooler to me if, you know, there, there's more. Um, yeah, I feel like I didn't answer that. I didn't like, I'm so happy I'm talking to you because I'm like getting all these questions back to what you showed us like in class too. Cause it's like just drawing lines <laughs> was just so like, I'm like, am I really drawing lines right now? But then I was like, wait a minute, this is like not that bad, like drawing lines. I'm like, I'm like, we really draw lines. Like in class too, we were just like, what are we doing? <laughs> we're drawing lines. And I was like, okay, right? And then it's like, you do it first, but then you're like, oh, this is like interesting. And that's what that's what I started noticing too with like classes. Um, Like not, a, not just at SBA, but just like when I feel that I'm learning something all the way backing from like the beginning where I was a kid, I'm like, all right, this is, you know, kind of doing something here and you don't even realize you're doing something, but. And I guess another thing that kind of not exactly what you said, but you made me think of this other reason why, you know, I guess I like keeping on making things in the routine of things is I think there's something nice to be able to get into a, a state or a place where you're like doing something, you're like doing some work and kind of what I was going back before about separating like the thinking from, from the making. Um, you know, I find that like, there's often like two parts of design. One is like the thinking and coming up with an idea or being stressed about it. And the other part is like executing the <laughs> idea or, or like actually making the thing if it's like a labor intensive thing. Um, and I think there's a lot of kind of joy in, you know, doing work that might not be so thought intensive, but you know, you're creating something that you know is gonna be something at the end. Um, but I think there's kind of like a joy or a meditative joy in like that, you know, labor. And so for me, sometimes the, the kind of daily making things that I do fall into that, that category, I guess. And like, yeah, how do you try to like combine them too? Cause sometimes like what I do is like, and this is what I'm starting to notice, like, cause I do things on the side, like I'll try to make like 
letter forms in ways that I like, or I'll make collages. And like lately, um, I'm just using Instagram as an example, just because it's kind of like this is what's been going through my mind. Like lately on Instagram, I've been wanting to add more like branding projects to show that, okay, like I'm still a designer, like I could still make a water bottle design, just something like random, right? And I was talking to somebody and they were saying, you know, like, because I'm like, well, I still, because as what I see it as far as like collages and like graffiti and all that other stuff, I see that as, you know, my art. And I don't realize it's like, I could still use it in my design. So like, I'm trying to figure out how can I combine, you know, the fun stuff I make with the, you know, like, you know, the design, um, you know, analyze design part. How can I combine those two to make it like a fun design that I like to create? I don't know. That's just what, what's been going through my mind. Like, how do I combine my like side gigs or my side, you know, artwork into my design work where it's like, and it's still cool and it's still like, you know, mathematical and it's still, you know, mm-hmm. professional, professional design, you know? No, totally. I think the, like, maybe the answer is just keep doing, you know, both of those things. And then like, if you keep doing that stuff on the side, then eventually the project will come along where like that, that fits in or that like works really well. Um, or, you know, if you're self-initiating, you know, these kind of design projects, maybe you think about like, what project could I self-initiate that could, you know, use these things that I'm making on the side. So like, you know, maybe I make a poster for like a music event or something. And so it can be a little bit more loose than like a, uh, you know, water bottle logo type thing is. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, just a matter of keeping like if you keep doing this stuff and you keep them like in your periphery then they're like there for when you know you see the thing that they could connect to mm-hmm. okay okay just keep going <laughs> basically all right and like now i kind of want to also ask questions to related to like being a professor and you know like what made you want to become a professor not like it doesn't have to be you know at sba but just being a you know teacher in general yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, I guess I really like the like world of, you know, a, a school in terms of it's this really great, you know, community where you get to interact with other people. You get to, you know, in an art school, you get to make stuff with other people, you know, see other people make stuff and then, you know, talk about that and have this space to, to share those things. So that's really what, you know, I, I love about it is like the interactions and um you know it's it's almost you know it's almost similar to like when i was working at penguin you know i was working next to all these people and you know got to see all the stuff they they were making got to talk about it you know ask them questions about it um and so there's some aspects uh, of that and then you know it's also a lot of fun to you know share the little you know tips and tricks on how to make something or how this works or how that works and i think it's really about the the community for me cool i didn't that's so like that's so wholesome too like oh <laughs> but i didn't realize too like people can really like especially with this isolated time too like people can really have an impact on other people and that's why like with this podcast too i just kind of wanted to still talk to creatives because going in even in your class too when we would have guests come in or having like people like talk about just their creative lives and you know how they became who they became it's like that's really interesting to me and I don't know why that inspired me to like you know I really like talking to creatives but when it came to my podcast it was kind of funny like in the beginning I was just like 
talking about what I go through and then it was still relatable to some people but when you start to talk to other designers or other creatives you can relate to the same things like oh I still go through this too and it makes it more like normal it's kind of like kind of like therapy <laughs> I use this <laughs> mic as my therapy but it's, it's really like therapeutic because it's like you sit and you stress all day about this this and this but then you talk to someone random someone you know whoever and they go through the same thing and you're like you know what it's not that bad and I don't know it's like this has been my therapeutic way for me but no that community aspect and that like you know that just the feeling of talking to someone that I'm telling you that is will change your life people will change your life if you just talk to someone related to you or not but yeah I can understand that no definitely and I think it's so great that you've been, you know, doing this podcast and, you know, having all these conversations and, you know, they've been really great conversations. I was listening to a few of them, you know, last night and like your conversation with like Manny Hernandez was, was so great. Mm. And there's so many others. Um, so I'm really excited to you know, keep listening, see how this develops over time. Me too, because the thing is, it's like, in the beginning, I was really like, how am I going to make a podcast about design? I can't just sit and talk about type all day or, you know, why... I'm going to go for a serif font that a sans serif. I don't know. I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to explain this? Right. And in the beginning it was so hard, but then I was like, you know, I struggle. I I'm in the process of me getting frustrated. I'm like, you know what? I'm about to just tell why I'm frustrated all the time. And then it's like, you bring all the guests and you're like, Oh, this is why I'm frustrated. And then you're like, Oh my gosh. Like now I can understand like, you know, the gist of this, but, but yeah, like, finding it's it's weird too because you would think that you since you go to like an art school you would find creatives like instantly but it's like you try to find certain creatives or certain people and you're like oh my gosh like I have to find guests and then it's like I've been trying to just contact just anybody at this point like anybody that's creative you know and and it's kind of cool because they everyone still gets like representation like for no matter where they're from or who they are but no that's it's great yeah. you're listening too though <laughs> Chat yeah to and it it's a great, you know, way for you to reach out to, to people, you know, like that, like, you know, you were describing in, in our class, I had, you know, guests come because I think it's you know, really great. Like I can share, you know, my perspective and my experience, but, um, you know, I think it's great for students to hear as many different perspectives and, uh, and people as, as they can. Mm. But also, you know, for me, I, I knew some of those people, you know, well beforehand because I worked with them or I had, you know, connected with them. But also that was an opportunity for me to reach out to designers I admired, you know, and then have them have a reason for me to meet them and have them come, you know, share their stuff to their class. But also I'm getting to see the stuff that they present, you know, just like you guys are. Um, and so your podcast, you know, is the same thing. It can be a way to, to forge these connections and, you know, build these communities. Mm, that's true. And um, now I kind of want to start to get like, now I'm just been asking questions at this point, you know, like that's been popping in my head. But um, uh, okay, I think the first one I might start off with was like with freelancing. Um, how has that experience been? I think another reason too, because like I'm a, I would say I'm a freelancer, but the thing is I'm kind of just starting out, and I'm trying to like, it's just been so hard to find clients kind of that I want to work with, because you know you can have a friend of a friend give you a client, or you know someone I know who does design work, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's kind of those experiences where I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to make this like, you know, cartoon logo <laughs> because of, this is not my thing. But I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to hustle, like trying to, you know, do it for someone else. But I've been wanting to find people like I want to work with. And how do you go about that? Like trying to find clients that you want to work with or that you want to, you know, and I don't like doing it. I don't like talking to people and trying to like, I, I am quote unquote trying to sell them, but I'm not trying to sell them. I'm trying to like collaborate 
And I don't want to be like, hey, I offer design services da, 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 on LinkedIn because it's like, oh my God, this girl's a bad. Like, let me leave her alone. Like, I don't want that like vibe to come off like that. Yeah, no, totally. Um, for me, I, you know, I guess I didn't have to reach out as much partially because I started in-house, you know? Um, so right now I do like the freelance projects I get are mostly book covers and editorial illustrations. And I kind of started getting that base of freelance work because I was working, you know, within a publisher in-house. And so I was, you know, getting paid to make book covers for Penguin. And then my book covers would be out there. And the book cover design world is, you know, kind of half in-house people and half freelance. And, you know, the freelance people often work at other places in-house. So it's, you know, a relatively small world where art directors go to bookstores and see who's designing the books and they, you know, kind of know who the designers are out there. So as soon as I, you know, had a decent amount of books that I designed for Penguin out there, I would get an occasional email like, oh, hey, you know, I work at Simon & Schuster. Do you want to, you know, take on this book cover project? Um, and because I like, you know, designing book covers, when I, so I worked at Penguin for like three and a half years. And then I, I left because I moved to Boston and my partner um, was going to med school here and I started teaching and I, teaching was taking up more of my time. And so I kind of, for the past, I guess almost two years now, I've been doing kind of three things, essentially. I've been doing like freelance, you know, book cover design, editorial illustrations. I've been teaching, you know, SVA and Parsons and some classes at Center for Book Arts. And then also making my own um, kind of artwork in the form of, of books that I'm publishing is this thing called Catalog Press. But in terms of the freelance stuff, you know, because I was in this book cover design world, once I was going to be kind of freelance and not in-house, I emailed a bunch of, you know, art directors who I kind of knew were art directors at different places saying, you know, hey, I'm available for, for freelance. And I think whenever you're doing those kind of emails, you know, asking for things, this is this awkward moment where you like don't want to be annoying um, but you also, you know, want to put yourself out there so that someone can hire you to do something. And so I think the, like the balance that I found is, or that I think is the right balance to strike is, you know, being direct about what you want. You're reaching out to say, you know, Hey, I'd love to work on, you know, book covers for you, but, you know, try and just keep it short and, you know, have a link to show them your work or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, it's important to know that like for, for students, people starting out to know that people who are art directors, you know, want you to reach out to them. You know, you're actually making their job easier in a lot of senses because their job is to find a list of people who they can then feed, you know, work to. Um, and so they know that's part of their job is, you know, fielding emails from people who are trying to get on, on their radar. So as long as you're, you know, polite, don't take up too much of their time and, you know, give them something to look at. Um, I think it's all just kind of part of the, the process. Yeah, I think you just saying art director too. I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't even think of that, but I'm saying now that this makes sense. Like just figuring out who to contact who is like, oh, okay. So that would be the perfect person, like an art director. I'm like, duh, <laughs> but um, no, okay. And another question too, um, this is somewhat not related. All my questions are going to be not related right now. I'm really oh, okay. But um, um, how the hell do you manage your time? Because you do all this stuff. You, do, you teach, you do this, you do this. And I'm just like, how the hell do you have time to do anything like Because me, like, I've been, like, now, right now, it's summer, it's cool, you know. But I know I'm about to get in a, in a place, like, with school. I'm going to, like, okay, I got to do school. But then I got to do side projects. Then I got to do, try to find a job. So it's like, how do you manage your time with all this, like, 
stuff that you do? Yeah. Um, well, it kind of, it varies, you know, based on week by week in terms of like what projects I'm working on or, you know, now that I'm in the summer, you know, as well, you know, I'm not like teaching classes. Like last semester was a little crazy. Like, um, so I moved to Boston kind of around the same time I had started teaching. And so I got these teaching opportunities in New York. So originally I was commuting from Boston to New York, you know, to, to teach, you know, kind of one or two days a week and then coming back to Boston. Um, and the commute wasn't that bad because you're sitting on like the train with your, your laptop and the internet or whatever. Um, but because of, you know, Zoom University, like last semester <laughs> I was teaching five classes um, on, on Zoom. So a lot of my time was, you know, teaching and preparing for, for teaching and stuff. But, but for me, I think having a lot of things going on is actually useful to me because in these moments, like I'm saying, where I like struggle and get stuck and just can't be productive on one thing, um, I find it useful to then just try, like go to something else. Like if I have two progs going on, if I'm stuck on one, you know, I can either sit there and just be stuck the whole day, you know, being sad, not being able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, or I can, you know, have this other thing that I feel productive working on, because that's also something I have to do. And then, you know, I can maybe make some progress on that. And I can feel, you know, like I had a productive day, or I made, you know, something out of that. Um, because I find that I, you know, no matter how much time I have to work on a project, you know, the project will like expand to fill up that much time. Um, so if I can fit two projects in there, it actually makes it better, because I'll finish both of them. Um, but I can jump between them when I'm like, stuck on on one have you ever been in a situation where you had two projects or you just were like oh my god i don't know what to look with both of them you're just like i don't know what the hell what to do with both of them <laughs> yeah no definitely and you know that's what i try and you know tell myself okay i'm just gonna go on a walk or i'm gonna you know, work out or i'm gonna do this or do that um and i like do the dishes um but yeah no it's definitely there's definitely moments like that where you feel like you just can't be productive on anything and you can't figure it out and you know that's kind of what i've been struggling with this past week on you know a, a few projects that's why i'm like excited to be here right now and you know i think for me it's really just trying to you know take my own advice of you know experiment and mm -hmm. try and force myself to you know it's always this process of forgetting that the process itself involves lots of failure and you know stress along the way but that it'll work out at the end like no matter how many times you go through that, I feel like I always forget that's how it works. Yeah. I've gotten a little bit better with it in terms of book covers, but it's still, you know, I get a new book cover and it's just like, how, I have no idea how to design a book cover. What's, what am I going to do? It's like, oh, uh, it just goes out their window. Like. Yeah, exactly. But you just got to, it's just this process of training myself to trust the, the process, I guess. Mm, training yourself to, training yourself. To trust the process that's actually a good quote <laughs> just because just like i didn't realize that either because you know you go through all this all this but by the time that deadline hits it's going to be done and it's it's not going to be done if you like sit there but it but it's like you know this i didn't even realize that about the process like that's just what happens it's like you're going to be stressed out you're going to be frustrated but at the end of the day you know with the person you are you're going to get it done so you know just go for it but but no, that's true. I didn't even think about that. And I didn't even realize it. So, but, um, but I think what I like about doing podcasts like this too, like even a person who is professional, who has, you know, has had years of this experience can still go through the same things. Like, oh my God, like what the hell? I can, how the hell am I going to design this? Or like <laughs> just going through the same things. Like, 
um, that you go through. Like, I don't know. That's really cool. No, definitely. And everyone goes through this. You know, I'm not sure I would, when you were saying talking to someone who's a professional and this is that I'm doing air quotes right now. Uh, I was like, are you talking about me or are you talking about someone else? Um, but yeah, no, everyone goes through stuff. But I totally know what, what you're saying. Like when I was starting at Penguin, you know, there were these designers around me who were just doing amazing things like Rachel Wiley and Grace Hahn. And, you know, I look at the designs that they were showing in, in our, our meetings and stuff like, how did you like, how did you do this? Aren't you struggling to come up with stuff? You know, and, you know, they describe, yeah, you know, they describe, yeah, this is the process. I freak out every time I get a book cover. Um, and it does, you know, make you feel better. I think knowing that that's just the, the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I kind of wanted to like also go into the topics of you know the your books that you're that you've created already. Um, okay, there's like a list of books like that you've done: the inflatable book, the cheese book, the dollar bill book. When I was okay, when you were presenting this in class, I was like, how the hell do you make this? <laughs> but then it's like, it's like, bro, like it's it was weird, but I was like, this is so interesting at the same time, like a book of cheese. <laughs> and I'm just like, why do I like this a lot? <laughs> But um, so like, uh, I don't know how to ask this in like a, a question, but like, you know, when making these books, like first, like probably what would be your favorite book out of all of them? Just let's just start there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite book is often the like most recent book that I did, which is, you know, hopefully a good thing. I keep liking like the new things that, I, that I'm doing, but I just made a book where I, um, collected a bunch of dandelions. So I collected 6,000 dandelions and then I, you know, flattened, pressed and dried them, laminated them into sheets and made this big book uh, of dandelions that were all picked from this, this historic cemetery in Boston. Uh, so that's my favorite book right now. But I started all these book things. Uh, I was working at Penguin, you know, designing book covers and Penguin, because it's this large company, has great, you know, corporate benefits. And so one of the things was I could take classes outside of work, like that related to my work. So there was a tuition reimbursement is what they called it. So I could, you know, if I worked in the accounting department, you know, I could take a finance class and they would pay for that. But because I worked in the, you know, art department, I took a screen printing class actually at SVA and I took a Resograph class. Like that, I was working at Penguin and I, that my first experience with the Reso Lab at SVA was through a continuing ed class. Um, and I also took a hardcover bookbinding class at this place called uh, Center for Book Arts in, in New York. And it was the first time, you know, I was working at Penguin designing covers for books, you know, thinking that like these book covers are, you know, pr- these books are produced in factories, you know, a hardcover book is like this perfect, you know, object. How would I ever make this thing? But I took this hardcover bookbinding class and it really, you know, just demystifies this object that to me was like this thing that I'd never seen taken apart. And, you know, a hardcover book, seems like this intense thing, but it's really just three rectangles, you know, of material glued onto another rectangle and then you fold it in like a package and, and there you go. Um, so I thought it was really cool and I wanted to make my own books. And so I, I think I took another class and then I was on their email list and they had a, you know, application for an artist residency position where I applied and was super fortunate to, to get this thing. And so I got access to their space for like a whole year and I could take classes for free. And so I learned a lot and then, you know, got the time and the space to make my own um, books. And I was really interested in this idea of books as being both these, you know, kind of sculptural objects, but then also these dense containers of, of content. And so I wanted to play with that idea of books being these like containers of things. 
And so that's where the idea of calling this thing catalog press, like books as catalogs came from. And then part of it came with this, in, like making a cheese book and making a book out of money or a book out of fortunes came from an interest in like pushing the idea of what a book is or thinking about like a book as a catalog, not just of words and images, but what if you make it a catalog of like found objects? Um, but part of it also came from having this residency and wanting to make a bunch of books. But, you know, as a designer, you know, it takes a long time to like lay out pages and figure out what the inside of a book is going to be. And so it's, you know, much quicker if I could just go to the grocery store and see, you know, American cheese slices. Oh, they're already basically pages. And so mm -hmm. I just need to make a cover. I don't need to design anything. Mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of riffing off that idea and, and enjoying where, where, it, where it took me. See, that's kind of cool. Like just to, just to listen to the process of how, like how it became. And, um, and another thing I might ask too, and I've been so, you know, I wanted to talk about this too on my podcast. What made you get this idea of the ice cream books too? Um, so for those who don't know, you know, backstory, you know, Ben <laughs> has this thing where um, it's ice cream books and he just puts ice cream on books and, you know, that's plain and simple right there. But, um, but it's very popular. Um, and you could also talk about like how this thing became really popular. Um, but yeah, like, just go ahead uh, yeah. and just explain that backstory too, because I'm excited to hear this again. <laughs> Some of it came from kind of what I was saying with this interest in books. Like once I got into book covers in college, I was like, oh, books are really cool. They're both, you know, singular things and containers of lots of things. And so I, you know, in college, I was you know, taking visual arts and sculpture classes and I was kind of doing a minor in visual arts. And so one of the things I was doing was like playing with books and seeing with like, you know, I have lots of books around me and I have access to the sculpture shop and there's a closet in the sculpture shop with like wheels and nails and tubes and stuff. So what if I nail my books shut or what if I put wheels on my books and roll them around? Um, and I became interested in how, you know, we think of books as like content, like we think of books as like narrative or story. But if you, you know, nail a book shut, you're not going to read it anymore. You're not going to think about the insides. You're just going to think about this thing as an object. Or if you put wheels on it, you'll think about it rolling around rather than like the story that's inside of it. So ice cream books came from a similar place in that if you put ice cream on a book, you know, you're forced to confront it as this, you know, physical object that can get, you know, melty ice cream on top of it. It also came from starting to work at Penguin and sitting in on these marketing meetings and realizing that there's this whole like bookstagram, you know, Instagram world where publishers send out, you know, free books to places like the New York Times and the New Yorker to review them, you know, and try and get buzz. But they also send out free books to, you know, Instagram influencers or bookstagrammers to yeah. photograph them with, you know, latte art, or they do things where they partner with like a sock company and, you know, okay, the sock company has socks that kind of look like the book cover, you know, colors. So we'll do like a little cross promo where you take a photo of the socks in your book, you know, and this and that. And so I wanted to, you know, in some ways make fun of while participating in this like weird world. Yes. And so it started as a joke where I just put ice cream <laughs> on a, a book and, you know, I had lots of books around because working at Penguin, there's, you know, lots of books and there's a sh everyone, you know, who works on a book gets a copy of it and then not everyone wants it. So they put their books on this like free bookshelf. Um, and so I had a lot of books uh, available to me. And so I took some and put ice cream on them and then photographed it, you know, made this Instagram called ice cream books and, you know, made a cheesy tagline where I think I said like, pairings of great reads and frozen delights or something or frozen <laughs> desserts and then I posted the photo and tagged the you know the author the the cover designer the ice cream shop and all these things and 
started it as this joke and kind of continued doing it partially because like I was saying a little bit before, I think if you have more of something, it's, you know, kind of often has a chance to be better. You know, if you have, like in college, I was, I made a lot of collages and I found that if I made, you know, 500 collages, there were definitely going to be like 10 that were really interesting. And the ones that weren't interesting would be kind of propped up by there being 500 and they exist in this kind of larger body of work. So I kept doing ice cream books because of that. And then it grew, you know, in this unexpected way, kind of like you were, you were saying, partially because, you know, I was tagging all these people and then the author would find it funny. I would repost it, you know, the book cover designer would repost it and the publisher would repost it because it's all like free advertising for these people. Um, and so it kind of grew out of this, you know, natural networked way where I was doing stuff with other people's things and then they found it funny and they shared it because it was kind of sharing their, their own work. Mm. And then, you know, more eyes and, and followers got on it from that. That's cool. And that's funny as hell too, because it's like you're like, oh, I did this as a joke, as a joke. Um, I didn't even know there was a thing of like bookstagrammers and now, and like I didn't realize like books, like people think books now, like oh, it's so dead. But I don't know. I per, I like books, but but um, but I didn't even realize like you know books and things that people say, you know, books are dead or da da da. Their opinion about books, but books like you know. You yourself have shown like books are still lit and exciting. And I don't know, like you really got me interested back into like going into books because I'm like, oh, this book cover is so cool. And I didn't even realize like how a book cover could be so cool. But uh, and also like what were the eight rules that you were talking about at the beginning? Because I remember you shared this in class, but I forgot. Yeah. So there um, it's called rules for students and teachers. And um, this artist, educator, Catholic nun, amazing screen printer, um, Sister Corita Kent, I think originally came up with them. And I think John Cage took them and kind of reworked them and shared them in a different way and popularized them maybe. I don't know the total history of it, but if you look up rules for students and teachers, they're just really great, you know, rules from, um, you know, the kind of the only rule is work, you know, you just have to experiment and kind of trust the process. Um, what's the other one? I think I think it's rule nine that says like, be happy, you know, whenever you can manage it, like happiness is, is an important part of these things. Um, but I kind of came across them just because another thing about ice cream books is I follow all the people who I'm tagging. I follow all of the, you know, artists and designers. And so I end up following a lot of people who I don't know in real life on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And around the time when I was starting to teach, someone I follow was also a teacher and posted this thing like, oh, I read this in my class. Um, before, like at the beginning of every semester. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me see what this is about. And I, you know, looked at it and it really resonated. And so that's, you know, ever since I saw that, I've been doing this thing where at the end of the first class, you know, we kind of popcorn read this like we did, did in our class. And I just think it's really valuable things to remember, not just in the context of, you know, being a student in, in a classroom, but also in general as being, you know, a, an artist or a designer. I'm gonna write that down because I have to. <laughs> I'm like, that's so cool because it's like I have to go back of what I learned, and it's like, I'm like that 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 rules list. I'm about to look at it again because I probably need it right now. <laughs> um, another thing too is when it comes to like classification, right? Um, and I don't I don't think a lot of designers go through this, but it's like, how do you not get yourself? Because you say you know you're like book publisher book designer you're an artist like how can you combine all those things in your life just because like with me right 
I make collage like I'm a graphic designer graphic design student right but I like to make collages I like to make stickers I like to make you know postcards just little things like that right like how can I still be able to combine all that and not feel like like not having to feel like I need to be this type of designer because I feel like I'm going to get into this world where I'm going to learn motion design or I'm going to learn UX UI design but I don't want to feel that I have to pick one and classify myself as that but like, how do you go about that? Or, you know, any advice you have related to that? Yeah, I think, you know, people will think you are whatever you present to them. Um, so some of what I mean by that is like, if you have a website where you're showing, you know, the stuff that you do, if you, if you want to seem, if you want to get more, you know, motion work, you know, put all of your motion work there. And then, you know, people will see that like, oh, you know, Lauren does motion work. Like let's hire her for, for motion work. Um, but for me, I guess I try and avoid classifications a little bit just because, you know, there are situations where I feel like it's more useful for me to call myself a designer or situations where I feel more comfortable to say I'm a, a designer. And there are situations where maybe it's more useful for me to say I'm an artist and for someone to interpret my work, you know, through the lens of what they think an artist is versus what they think a, a, a designer is. Um, so I feel like at the end of the day, you know, I'm myself and I'm, I'm making stuff and it's more about like, what classification is most useful to me in terms of who I'm talking to or who, you know, uh, or, or how I'm trying to have this person, you know, perceive my work as. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, you're bringing up the question that I think is a totally valid one of like, you know, when you're starting out and building this body of work of, of what you are, um, you do have this decision of, you know, how do you present yourself? And you know, if you present yourself in a certain way, you know, then people will see you in that way and maybe they'll give you more of this type of work versus that type of work. Um, so it's definitely a, a decision, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, just showing your work and if you show the work that you're most excited, you know, by, if you, you know, have a lot of cool emotion stuff, but then you also have collage stuff. I don't think people are going to see that and be like, oh, she does two things. We only want someone who does one thing, you know? Mm. Um, I don't think it's hurts you to kind of, share all the stuff that you do but maybe the thinking is more about like what do you foreground and what do you lead with mm -hmm. oh, okay keep that in mind and um i would say like who is your inspiration like a person like in particular like who inspires you yeah i mean lots of people in inspire me i i think it's less like a particular single individual um and more, you know, I've had a lot of great people who have, you know, kind of been like mentors or designers I, lo I, I look up to. Um, but I think it's less about, you know, trying to model yourself off of one, you know, individual and more, you know, putting yourself in situations where you, you see what different people are doing and you see, you know, or you get to interact with different people. You know, school is a, a great example where you have lots of different teachers, you have lots of different students in your classes and you get to interact with all these people and you get to kind of, you know, pick and choose and, and pull bits from, from each of them in a way, kind of like at the beginning, I was saying, I start book cover designs by just kind of grabbing a bunch of stuff and dragging it like into a file or onto my desk and then seeing how I might be able to, you know, collage it together. I think it's the same in terms of, you know, people or inspiration in terms of you know, keeping your eyes open and seeing all the stuff that's around you and, you know, letting that inspire you or letting that give you ideas or letting, that tell you, oh, you know, I don't want to do what this person just did. So I didn't like how that, you know, interaction went or, or I do like how this interaction went. Um, 
So I think it's really just a matter of keeping your eyes open and then collaging things together. Okay. And I just thought of another project. I swear, because Corona really finessed me with like memory of like what you've been doing recently. Because I'm thinking of like your class. I feel like I was just in your class. Like, like I didn't realize how fast this year went. Um, you did something with a purse. And it was like, I can't remember what the vegetable was, but what was that project? I was like, okay, I need to ask about this. Cause I was, and I totally forgot you did this. And I'm like, this man is a genius. I was like, this man is a genius. Like what was that project? But like behind the scenes, like he just give you like back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made some um, Birkin bags, which is uh, a bag from Hermes, this, this fashion brand out of fruits and vegetables. That was and, a Birkin bag. The whole yeah, thing. that was a Birkin yeah, yeah. bag. Oh my god! <laughs> so I made most mostly vegetables. So I, I I made these three images that they posted: um, asparagus, cucumbers, and um, and lettuce or, or cabbage. And so the way that project happened is, I, I I think you know they found me and reached out to me, and they have on their Instagram they do these things called interludes, where they have various artists make kind of you know fun random interjections on their Instagram among their, you know, kind of fashion photo shoots and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they probably found me because of some illustrations I had done for the New York Times. And I was super lucky this past year to have, you know, one of my illustrations for the New York Times be included in their kind of yearly roundup of, of illustrations. So I imagine someone, you know, at Hermes, you know, was looking through this and, and reached out to me. And so I essentially you know, pitch them a bunch of random crazy ideas of, of things to do um, that could be just kind of weird art randomness, you know, for their Instagram page that all kind of tangentially related to um, their products and, and stuff. And so then this was the, you know, direction that they chose. And then, you know, I got to, you know, turn this thing from a little sketch where I quickly said, you know, vegetable, you know, bags. And, you know, <laughs> went to the grocery store, got a bunch of vegetables and constructed and then photographed these, these vegetable bags. That was so amazing. I was remember. I remember I was going on Instagram. I'm like, bro, I want to eat this. I'm like, this is amazing. Um, but it was so cool to me. And that's what I'm saying about how you are a genius. Like that is so cool because it's so like I don't and I don't know if it's because of the hands-on thing. I don't know what makes things like that so interesting that you create. But it's like it's something about that analog, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And it's like, but it's lettuce i didn't know how much i could love something that's made of lettuce or an asparagus burger bag like that is so that's so funny too but um but yeah but when you're making these projects like um do you just have like does it is it more of like like what's your when you're in this process like are you more of like i just keep going or do you kind of like all right like do you like all right let me make this or do you like keep messing up like what is that process like in the making of those things yeah um, well, the making of those, you know, there's kind of similar constraints to ice cream books where the ice cream, you know, melts and so you only have a specific amount of time to, to photograph it. The making of those was, you know, stressful because it was, you know, using this organic material and having the idea and being able to sketch something that just, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, how it works, but not really knowing how it's actually going to work um, mm -mm. Is, is tricky, you know, so I had to get a lot of, you know, asparagus and then I bending the asparagus and it you know snapped and wouldn't bend so then i had to cook the asparagus a little bit or get it soggy a little bit so it could you know bend um so it's a lot of trial and error and you know trying to set up a situation where i can work relatively quickly because i'm working with you know these fruits and vegetables 
Um, but you know, I can iterate until it kind of looks good enough to, to, to be the, the real thing. But that's also this, like that project was an example of like the best type of project I feel like where, mm -hmm. um, you know, they reached out to me, I think because of some line drawings I had done. And then I had the opportunity to like pitch ideas that were line drawings, but also were lots of other crazy things. And then they chose one of the crazy things. Um, Cause I think often, you know, you get hired to do the thing that you've already done, you know, so you, share stuff online and then someone says oh we want you to do you know that but for, for us and, and with our stuff um and so this was a great opportunity where you know i was able to come up with like i'd never made you know bags out of vegetables before i've never like i've played with ice cream and i've played with food in different ways um but it was a great opportunity to kind of do something something new okay and like i don't know i want to like i want to start doing projects like that right so how do you just like when you present these ideas too, like how are how is their reaction to like you know making a bag out of you know lettuce or like like how do you present projects like that? Because I would like I would love to do stuff like that just to you know I don't know why I would want to do stuff like that, but I'm just saying like having the aspect of doing something different in 3D, like you know what is your way? And I think too like this is kind of like art direction. Like how do you present that stuff to you know professionals or other people and how would they, how do they react to it? Yeah. Um, the way I present stuff like that, which is essentially like presenting sketches or ideas for like an illustration mm -hmm. is I, you know, take some time to like think about it and force myself to like, I'm going to sit down for 30 minutes and I'm just going to sketch a bunch of ideas, like no matter how bad or crazy they are. And like, I do that a few times and, you know, return to it. And at the end, hopefully I have some like really crude sketches that I then, you know, scan and put into essentially just a little document where I explain them. So for that, I think I sent them like 20 different ideas, you know, some of which were like totally ridiculous, like um, kind of like the vegetable one or, you know, one of the ideas was like, they have these kind of famous boxes. And I was saying, oh, we could turn your boxes into fish tanks and put the lids on fish tanks and film fish in there. Um, so just like crazy things thrown out of left field. Um, and in that case, they just responded to me and say, okay, let's do this one. And they just, you know, sent me that little piece of sketch and said, you know, this direction's approved. Um, it differs depending on, you know, who your art director is or what it is, you know, if I'm working on an illustration for like the New York Times, it's a similar process where, you know, I come up with a few different directions. The person says, you know, try this. And then, you know, maybe we go back and forth a little bit refining the sketch or maybe I then start doing it and, and send it to some to them where there's still a little bit of time for them to say, oh, you know, try it with a different color background or um, so sometimes it's more of a conversation, a collaboration. Sometimes like this, it was, you know, very freeing where they just said, okay, go with this direction. And then I just did it and, and sent it to them. Okay. That's so cool. Like, I'm trying to think too, like, you know, it's, it's like you, I feel like when you make work, it's like, it's not limited, but even though it is limited at the same time, but it looks so like free like i feel like this would be something you would do too just like just make things and just making stuff and then you would make that but then it's like you're making you're still making this for like brands and still different companies and stuff like that and i think that's just so cool that you could still incorporate that fun uh, even though it can still be stressful but you're still incorporating that fun and exciting work in the process of making things for you know different companies because i would think too it's like with freelance like you know, you're making, somebody said this too, it was like one for the rent and then one for fun. Like, like you're still making projects 
for different people but it's still like and it's even still valuable too and it's still like useful it's still cool and um and it's still something that could look fun and still have fun with making so that's cool no definitely and that's like the ideal situation where it's you know both fun and for the rent you know (laughs) Um, like it's like i got to do the fun stuff for like the real client or whatever um but yeah, I definitely, you know, some of it also came from just like playing with my food. Like, I think one of the reasons I had that idea was during quarantine, for whatever reason, I started, you know, like eating a bunch more like apples and pears and stuff. And I would, you know, slice them on, you know, my cutting board, I'd eat some slices. And then sometimes I would like reconfigure the slices while I was eating them, or I'd stick the like little piece, a little piece of a slice onto a big piece. Um, and, you know, just playing with my food to make something aesthetically interesting mm-hmm. while I'm eating it with it. I think it's one of the reasons I you know, thought of, oh, what if I made something out of you know, food? Um, and so just saying that to say that, you know, you can just play and have fun with, with stuff and it doesn't have to have an outlet necessarily. And then maybe, you know, it will, you will find the right outlet for it uh, eventually or a way to do it in a, you know, bigger, more, more, more official way. Um, but just another reason why like constantly experimenting and playing with stuff can be not only fun, but, but useful. Okay. Um, I'm getting to like my final questions too. And like, one of my questions would be like, what is your like goal, you know, out of all of this, like as, as you move forward with your career, what like, what would be your goal or goals, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think my goal is essentially to keep being able to make stuff, you know, that, I find exciting and, and interesting. And ideally doing that while also, you know, being a part of a community in some way. So like, like I like teaching. So I think my ideal goal would be, you know, teaching at a place and being, you know, a part of that, you know, university community, getting to interact with people in, in class and stuff, but, but also having my own, you know, art and design practice uh, on the side. So getting to make, you know, my own things while also being a part of this community and, and conversation and stuff like that. And like, do you have any final advice for any like designers out there, young designers, even your students? I know your students are going to be like, oh, like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah. my advice would be kind of the advice I'm trying to give myself this week, which is, um, you know, trust the process and trust the experimentation and give yourself, you know, try as, as hard as it is to separate the the stress of what you want the final product to be to the messiness of the process that will eventually get you there. Um, So I guess my advice would be just experiment as much as you can and try and find as much fun in it as much as you can. Um, Because ultimately then things will be more enjoyable. And also I think you'll, you'll get to better, better places. Okay. And that will be the end of this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast and always remember to do what your art desires.